Uncensored Radio Real Talk Roundtable. Real life, real laughs, real talk. Okay, let's switch gears. So we're going to talk about parenting. And we've all got different experiences. Uh, Katie, I know that you've got children. You were married. Jeff, you adopted children as a... Well, you were married as well, and that failed. Um, Very sadly. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Look... I had a failed relationship as well, but we went through a surrogacy process together and had a child. Um, and then, Vera, you were probably the smartest of all of us and chose not to have children. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I don't know if it was so much a choice as, as an event. <laughs> um, you know, so uh, let, let's, let's go back to uh, – I'll start with you, Ms. Underwood. Sure. When did you decide that you wanted to be a mother and that you were going to go through the process of having a family? Uh, I think I always had it in my sights. Uh, when I was young, I was very clear in my mind that I would have children sometime between the age of 25 and 35 and that if I had not had them by the age of 35, that biologically I should probably just accept that that wasn't going to happen and that I would, I don't know, get a dog or a cat or, a I don't know, a goat or something <laughs> to, to, to nurture. <laughs> um, so as it turned out, you know, I, I was married for 10 years. That was supposed to be the man that I was having children with. That didn't work out. So at, at the age of 30, when I realised that was going nowhere, I cut and run from that relationship and thought, right, well, now I've got five years left to not only find a new partner but potentially procreate, you know. So I kind of put the pressure on myself but um, dated for a while, casually dated for a year quite successfully um, but also realised that that wasn't really getting me any closer to a quality relationship. Um, you know, yeah. lots of casual sex does not add up to finding a good <laughs> parent for your child. So I kind of hey, shut it's that. fun though. It was fun, but you know, it wasn't getting me where I wanted to go. So I was very clear that that was what I wanted. Um, anyway, then I met a man, and I'd set a mental intention. You know, I'm now looking for the father of my children, and we we caught up a couple of times. And I was very clear with him from the get go. You know, he was ten years older than me, and I said, "Look, I'm 34. I'm not interested in something casual. I'm actually looking for something serious." And not only that, but I'm looking to make a family with someone. I said, so I'm not asking for you to do that right now, but I am making it very clear that that's where I'm headed. And if that's not yeah. in your scope, then please don't waste my time. Um, so as it turned out, he was, you know, interested in having a child. Uh, he'd already had two before. So, you know, we continued on. Um, little did we know that we were going to get blessed with twins and uh, a lot quicker than we had planned. So. It all happened very, very fast Um, and I think probably because of that our intimate relationship was was difficult to maintain but um, so we separated. Yeah, we separated um, when the kids were 18 months but I stand by the choice that I made as finding the father for my children because to this day my girls are almost 10. I have an excellent co-parenting and friendship relationship with this man still um, and, you know, we are, for all intents and purposes, happy families. We just live in two separate houses. So um, yeah. that's sort of how that uh, that worked out. It sounds no, like great. the best it does. <laughs> ideal yeah. parenting situation. Yeah. You live over there. I'll live here. It, it works for me. So. 
I'm with well, you. Jeff, let, let's talk about your parenting situation. So give us the lowdown. We, like I know, but just for people watching. <laughs> it's starting to be a retread. It's feeling like Terminator Salvation. So yeah, like the I was married. Like, are you watching the original show? You followed all the drama with our wedding and all the chaos. Uh, Joe and I did foster care for a long time. We had older girls that we had had uh, until they aged out. And then we were actually going to end our foster care time because we had uh, a bunch of sub shops we owned. And they called and said they had these little guys with a brother on the way. And we talked about it. We were like, yeah, let's do it. It's going to be crazy with all these businesses, but let's do it. And then uh, the boys came. Gabe was born three weeks later. And then when Gabe was eight months old, Joe walked out the door and that was that. And it was just me. So I finished foster care uh, with them and adopted them on my own. And it's uh, it's been an interesting ride, man. But I wouldn't change anything. Like, I feel very blessed. Like, I, I always wanted to be a parent. But I realized in my very early 20s, I did not want to pass on my genetics. Oh, gosh. Look, I, I got that from you straight away, though, Jeff, that you were very much a mama bear and that you really look after and nurture people. And, you and like, you know, when I come over there, the first time I met you, and like I just came to the United States to go and stay with this stranger. Um, I was. Yeah, we just knew each other online for twelve hey. years or whatever. Yeah. Oh, Bring your kid. Come on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, he was very, um, very like very caring, and he's very like you. you I, I can just see like those kids are so lucky to have you, um, because you do a lot for them, and you uh, do it with such good intentions and you've got a good heart and that's the only thing i'm ever going to say to you that's nice all right and this is done here well, i can't believe you said that because listen somebody had to be the adult while you were there i'm just saying oh shut up um yeah so let's talk about my train wreck life um so what i went through so i went through a whole surrogacy process so every state has their own surrogacy laws um queensland has the surrogacy act uh, we went through that together. So I was with my for four years um, and it was uh, uh, quite an expensive process. I think from go to work, we paid legals, we had to pay for counselling, um, which he passed with flying colours, mind you. Go narcissism. Um, <laughs> and, you know, to deem us that we're fit parents and that we know what we're going into, yada, yada. Um, the surrogate had to go through the same, which I had to pay for. I had to pay for her legals, um, paid for an egg donor, paid for IVF. We went overseas to do the transfer. Um, and it ended up being a $50,000 miscarriage. Oh. And was just it was it was a big blow for me and I was quite down about it and I knew I'd always like I'd gone through this whole process from my 20s so I did this when I was 32 I mm. went through this whole thing since my 20s I'd been planning it all um and so when that happened I was so down and then a friend of mine just said look I'll just have a baby for you I'll do it for you and I had to think about it for a whole year because I'm like, oh, my God, this is going to be her egg. It's going to be her all too, you know. We'll be mum and dad. Mm. Um, is it going to work out? And it just sort of come to a point, like, I'm one of those people, I guess 
I get quite anxious about things and I let it build and build. And I was like, you know what? We're not getting any younger. Someone's offering to do this for me right now. Let's just do it. So after about 12 months of thinking it over, we just did it. Um, and then on my child's first birthday, uh, my partner decided that they were already having an affair and that it would be good just to disappear on the day of the first birthday. Um, and that's just life. And that was, in hindsight, though, it was good because it was a malignant narcissist. And mm. I think it, I, I couldn't imagine being in that situation now because it's been three years and like I couldn't even imagine going back to the person I was then and it was horrible um and hard to explain to people and that's why like when we were talking earlier about PTSD I think it is um one of those things that sort of comes out later when you don't even realize mm -hmm. that you were under all that trauma and stress until you're out of it and yeah but yeah that's that's so but i always wanted to be a parent i am doing life on hard mode as a single parent right now like as a single single parent like i have no co-parenting at all going on my mother helps me a lot which i'm very grateful for um mm. and i think yeah like i wouldn't change it for the world it's not easy and sometimes it's not fun uh you know even cutting lunches fuck i hate cutting lunches <laughs> hate fucking hate it but i do it every day because, <laughs> because i wouldn't change a thing <laughs> so yeah so miss vera you well i always planned to have kids but i knew i wanted to finish college and get my career on the path and it took longer than I thought to get through SU. I was didn't I was 28 before I graduated, and I didn't really start looking for Mr. Wright until I was in my 30s, and and then it was too late. You know. Wait, Vera, a, I need to stop you right there in your 30s. Remember when we were talking about um, monogamy, and you were saying, "Fuck me on your fire truck." <laughs> Katie, you were there for that. She's like, you're 30. And I'm like, oh, yeah, fuck me on your kid's fire truck. Uh, I, I think I must have missed that. A number of inappropriate relationships. The kids were not in the house at the time uh, of the alleged fire truck. Well, then it was appropriate. <laughs> then it was fine. So, Vera, though, so you, you, you planned to have children, but it, it – it just didn't work out that way like how it, it didn't happen i you know i i i got into a serious relationship i thought i was with my life mate it didn't turn out that way and then i was really very devastated and not willing to move on and or look mm. for additional and then the circus closed you know i had to have a hysterectomy i had cysts on my ovaries and it was done yeah <laughs> Yeah. Um, like you, you'd stop me if you're not comfortable. But like, how do you feel like now, uh, looking back? Like, is there regrets there or anything like that? Or uh, every now and then, every God, hundred years or so, it's not often. I think <laughs> shit. I'm never gonna have grandkids, you know. But oh. I have a beautiful niece and a beautiful nephew, who I was very active in their upbringing. They both honor me on mother's day you know i Aww. i have 
wonderful friends. I was going to say then, you can family. be the cool one. Your sister has to <laughs> be the villain. You're the cool one. <laughs> I have to I think Vera is very motherly. And I think when we met, I was pretty young. And it always seemed, you were always very supportive of anybody around you. Like you kind of for you know, a surrogate mom in a lot of ways. I do remember there was a certain time I called her. And Vera was like there in a heartbeat. She came right over and and talked me off the ledge. Well, I think there's lots of ways, you know, and that's a good example, segue to, to really just expand this conversation and get that there's lots of different ways to be whether you call it a parent or be a carer, you know, it doesn't have to be biological. You can be a stepmom, a stepdad. You can be a a cool auntie or uncle. Um, You know, you can always (laughs) choose to be involved with younger people and children if you want to or whether it's through the foster system and all of these ways, you know, it doesn't all have to come out of your body. Yeah, Um, You know, there's so many different ways that if that's something that you feel called to do, that you can do it and there's always a need. Um, for good-hearted, caring people to look out for young people in this world. So I think there's a lot of different ways people can express their desire to parent, even if their ovaries or their testes have long <laughs> shut up shop, you know. <laughs> it's, it can still be done. Yeah, it's scary that it turns out I'm quite fertile. Um, <laughs> as a gay man, just throw that out there to everyone. So, uh, <laughs> this is why... I I if I, mm, I had to make sure that whoever was with was on the testosterone or something because we I there's not passing on those genetics. We're just I wasn't going to do that. Just my aunt might made a pact when I was really young, and I'm like, it's not good. Like I don't need any more Emmets in the world. And that's, <laughs> but look, that's a valid choice too, though, Jeff. Like I know we joke about it, we talk a lot of shit, but you no, you serious. were very serious about that. Yeah, yeah. you like you. I did not want to pass on my genetic profile. I did not think the mental health of my mother's family or my father's family. It wasn't something that I wanted to continue. I I kind of was like, there's enough kids on the planet that don't have a home. They don't have parents. They have nowhere to go. And nobody, I don't feel like it gets talked about enough. Like people go on this pro-life kick and it drives me nuts because they're pro-life, pro-life. We have to stop abortions. And I'm like, how many kids have you fostered? Oh, how yeah. many children have you adopted? I am right there with um, you, You know, I don't feel like you really, I mean, not that I have a say in a woman's body, but it, that's what, pro-choice. Like, you get to do what you want to do because there's enough kids that aren't being taken care of that are stuck yeah. in a horrible system. And that's a problem. It That keeps the the situation going and then our system's so broken like the mother of my kids uh, i took the time to get to know her and know her story and i realized that the system failed her and that's where she grew to hate those people and she didn't trust them and i kind of just looked at them all at one point and i'm like okay so you pulled her out and then you put her back in a bad environment and you wonder why she is anti all of you this doesn't take a rocket scientist, you know? And I actually got to work with her and try to help her. Now she had twins that she, you know, so far has done well and she's been able to keep them. And it's an exciting thing. And I got to watch this woman grow 
because somebody took the time to just talk to her and not treat her like she was a statistic or a piece of shit. It was just, it's really sad that, like, that's the system we have that's supposed to help oh, Absolutely. I don't think, and look, in Australia, we're lucky that we've got a pretty good social security. But I do think, um, especially for for young women, they aren't really that supported though, as far as, you know, if, if you become a mother and stuff like that. It's, it's a tough gig. And I think we've still got a long way to go. I think we are going in the right direction here. We've got good things happening. We've got mothers groups. Um, you know, we have midwives that will assist new parents and things like that. But I think entering parenthood, especially if it's an unexpected, you know, initiation, it's not it's not an easy thing to do. And it's something that really tests you on every single level, emotionally, physically, spiritually. I think you you sort of visit all those things, all your fears are realized. Would you oh, guys yeah. agree? <laughs> yeah. I, I think one of the things I was thinking about, you know, parenting and, the, you know, the three out of the four of us have had, you know, relationships break up when the children have, you know, become front and centre. And I yeah. think from my experience and what I've observed in other relationships that break up in those first couple of years, and it happens a lot, mm -hmm. um, it seems to me that so many people enter into intimate relationships looking for their partner to nurture their inner child, right? Yeah, right. Yep. They look, they, rather than going, I'm a whole complete adult, I can parent myself and I'm going to share my life with another person, they actually look to, to partner with someone that's going to help them try and solve those, those inner child needs. Now, when there's just the two of you, you can play that game for as long as you like. But then when an actual real bona fide child comes in and actually fully really needs you and needs you now to be an adult all of the time, yep. um, if you have one partner that's in a child is deciding to have a tantrum and feels like the real child is now competing for your attention, then they cut and run and they bail, you know, and I experienced yeah. a portion of that and I hear that energy in, in your stories as well. Um, well, I, I, I literally, the text I got that day, I mean, this is the day of the first birthday, was this isn't my life. Like this is yeah. not what I'm signed up for. And I was just like, well, bounce baby see you later because yeah, they want but, to keep being the child you know they want to keep being the center of your world but when you decide to partner with someone regardless of, of, of gender or whatever or sexuality you know two people come together and decide to be parents part of that conversation is we're deciding to be adults to fully adult now because that's mm -hmm. what's required when you decide to be a parent and i see that so many people don't really understand that and maybe you can't ever really fully understand it until you're there mm -hmm. and you're like right i'm i'm actually now i'm end point when somebody needs something i can't sit and have a tantrum on my bed when i've got a three-year-old and a one-year-old to look after you know i have to parent myself yeah. and then parent <laughs> them there's no one else to cry to now you know i can't just drop everything i have to i have to be an adult every day you know i think that's and as a single parent in particular, I think that's one of the more challenging things I faced when my kids were young. You know, I'm cruising now. They're nine years old. They're really easy. <laughs> they can do their own lunches, you know. I don't have to do that anymore. But when they were Cheers. really little, you know, there's those days where it's like, 
I don't want to cook. I don't want to clean. I don't want to pick you up. I don't want to change your nappy. But you know what? I've got to because there's no yeah. one else here to do that. And I need to keep showing up for you as an adult because you're a child. So it's really um, quite distressing when you hook up with a partner who suddenly exposes themselves as a child walking around in adult skin going, well, actually, they're not adulting here. You know, they're having a tantrum and now they're out the door or they're having an affair or they're doing whatever. So what I, I think, me? yeah, <laughs> yeah. I yeah. think what you're saying too, like it was very frightening for me. Uh, Gabe was maybe had just turned two and I all of a sudden started feeling really sick, feel like low energy, going to the doctor, they couldn't figure out what was wrong. It was to the point where I was struggling to stay awake through the day. And then I found out I had mono and I like have a massive temperature. It's a, the kid's first week in school. Aiden got thrown out the first day of school. He tried to run out the building and run down the street to go home. I had to go pick him up. I have a temperature of 104. I'm sweating through my clothes. The next day, eight and six, and now I've got to take him to the doctor. I'm in the doctor's office. Like, just, I'm like gross and embarrassed. I want to die. I was on my own, and it was one of the scariest things. And I think, like, with coronavirus, that's what frightened me the most was what the hell am I going to do if I get sick again? Because yeah. when it's just you and there's three of them and two have special needs that are intense and, and you feel like death, it was the scariest moment of my I, I cried more than when I realized how alone I was, that I did not have a support system in place to help me, like I, the help that I needed, you know? And right. It was terrifying. It's not, I don't. Well, and it's interesting just to quickly say too, like obviously I've made it clear in my circumstance that my ex-partner hasn't seen my child since she was born. Um, mm. Like in your circumstance, Jeff, like you adopted together. No. Is there any co-parenting at all happening? No, I adopted them on my own. He okay. left while they were still in foster care. Um, okay. and, it, and it wasn't like your situation. Like it was, we were fighting, we were not getting along. It was stuff about us. Um, he very much loved Gabe, uh, was very devastated to leave him. And he decided to move back to where he was from like two hours away. And, you know, we I tried to be like, okay, well, you need to come every other weekend or whatever, you know? And it just, there was always a reason, you know, he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. Or, you know, we had the businesses too. So I'd have to be working crazy hours and he'd go, oh, I can't do this. Or I can't be here this time. I can't. And it's like, you quit the job. I'm the only one bringing in money. What do you fucking want from me? Like, how am I supposed to do this all? And the final straw was on one of the busiest days of the week. I posted like the day before. And I, I swear on my life, I did not post this. It was a meme, and I thought it was funny, and I didn't know what he was doing, and I didn't think he was doing, you know, he wasn't hooking up with anybody, but it said, uh, isn't it funny how everybody sleeps different? My roommate sleeps outside, I sleep on my stomach, my ex sleeps with everybody. You know, kind of, <laughs> I thought, so I shared it, and I had gone through, like, it was bad in the beginning, and blocked or defended anybody that had anything to do with him. Somebody sent him a screenshot of it, so he's texting me at work, like, how can you just keep this going? You got to post shit like that. I'm like, because it was funny. You know, like, it wasn't about you. But the fact that you think it's about you says more about what you, you know, you. 
And so he's like, you need to come home. I'm not watching these kids anymore. You're on your fucking own. You can figure it out, blah, 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 blah. He was just talking shit, though, because I showed up. I left work, and I walked in the door, and it was the only time that we fought in front of the kids. And I'm like, get the fuck out right now. Just get the fuck out. And I'm like, you know, walking him to the door because I'm done. Like, you're going to threaten me that I can't. How am I supposed to work the rest of the week because you're just going to bail? Then get the fuck out because we're not playing this game anymore. And that was kind of the end of it. So over me, you know, and then after he's like, oh, you wouldn't let me see the kids. Nah, dude, you said you were done. You were walking out. At no point did you call and ask me to see the kids. You didn't even ask how they were. You'd, you'd ask me about money or whatever, but you didn't ask or you didn't want to see the kids. And I've never said this really publicly or anything because I've always made excuses. Blame the foster care agency. And because I felt bad and I didn't want him to take the hit. And I think I'm just to the point where it's just what happened. And I don't care anymore. Like, it's his problem. He's the one that's going to have to deal with it when those kids are older and they want to know what happened to Daddy Joe. Well, they, the they even bunch. remember him. Right. They do. They, that's the sad they thing. Do. It's like they... the two older boys do. And Gabe and him were so bonded. Like, he, Gabe and him were closer than I were. I was yep. gone 15 hours a day. I was getting up with Gabe at night. But I wasn't there that much. Joe was always there. So that was the part that I always struggled to wrap my head around was how did you just leave them? It's not about him and I, but it was about them. And I think in therapy, that was the thing. I, I never really got over that. I'm still not over it. It's still like, just, it's, I don't care about him and I, how do you, I don't understand how people do that. Well, I, I think that's as a non-parental observer, I think that's one of the biggest fails as parents, as the parents failing to put the kids first, you know, like Katie was saying, you don't. Well, have I think a Katie's choice. got it right though. Like Katie's they, they co-parenting. Right. Absolutely, yeah. that's what you have to adopt. Yeah. There's no room to yeah. feed the inner child, and and so many people. I don't. I you know. I don't know if this is specific to Americans, but I see so many people who aren't willing to give up their fun because they're correct. Parents, you know. And, and it's, it's just. It's not so much about giving up the fun, but just making sure that your children have their needs met first. Well, and, uh, and, that, you... and, you know, and that then part of our self-care perhaps as adults is to maybe to make sure that we are still having some fun so that we don't resent our parental duties. We don't resent having to be an adult. But, but I get what yeah. you mean. There is yeah. a certain point where you have to go, my life is not just about me anymore. Right. Yeah, exactly. There are other people and I think in that's, my... uh, that's the it's biggest thing that me, we swallow, it's... hey. Yeah, but it's not just about me. It has mm -hmm. to be, um, you know, my children's needs have to be front and centre. And then, of course, I want to look after my own needs as well, and that's essential. But it's definitely that ego step of it's not all about me anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and, I think, yeah and that's and... the leap. And yeah, that's no, I... why it's sort of, it makes everything as a parent too, like, like going into a relationship now, I'm just not, I'm not at the point where I want to do that because I mm -hmm. think I've got a really young child and that's where my focus is and my energies are going to be spent on her. Um, I, I went on a few dates with someone and I got this crazy text one day. Sorry, I'm out and you're here, mate. Um, <laughs> like, I don't feel like I'm number one and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, 
Because you're not. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, because you're not. Like, good insight. Um, (laughs) And I was just like, you know what? If that's what you're looking for, I said, you ain't getting it from me, and I'm real sorry. I'm not able to give that to you. So, yeah, yeah, I think it's that's probably me adulting now because I was all in my 20s. I sort of look back now. I'm like, oh shit, I was probably pretty codependent. Like I was in a a, a seven year relationship, and I think we we're still friends now. I think we just together because we just wanted to, you know, to to belong somewhere and have someone and whatever. Um, I don't think there was ever a lot of romance. Um, and looking now I'm like, eh, I don't need that anymore. And I'm sort of glad that, you know, it's hard. It's not easy. Like single income, single parent, lots of duties. Holy shit. She does four dance classes now. I can't cope. <laughs> um, but, you know, I'm doing it all myself and I don't need anyone. And I've, I've learned that lesson in my no. What do you think that are some of the positives about doing it alone, right? Like, we don't, I think we have oh, yeah. a lot, right? If single parenting's hard, right? But I think there's some really big joys there. I don't have anyone to answer to, but I've also got no one to blame. So, um, the other day, my daughter dropped the F bomb while I was carrying her in fancy. <laughs> And she had her ballet slippers on. She's in her leotard and everything. I was carrying her because I didn't want her to walk in her ballet slippers. And I could see she was fiddling with it. It was falling off her foot. And then all of a sudden she's just like, Dad, I'm sick of this effing thing, this <laughs> fucking thing. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, me. That's something I would say. And I have to take ownership of that. I'm just like very calmly. I'm like, oh, we don't say words like that, sweetie. Daddies shouldn't say them and little children can't say them. (laughs) But just slip straight out. And it was all me. (laughs) No one to blame. I think one um, one of the advantages to single parenting is that there's no conflict in how you discipline your children. Uh, I think sometimes in a dual parent family, kids can play one parent against the other. Um, yep. Whereas when there's just you, there's no I one did. else to go and run to. It's like, oh, if mum says no, I'll go and see if I can sweet talk dad. It's like, no, no, the, the buck stops with me. You know, this is the behaviour, this is the outcome. And I'm able to, um, you know, interact with my children in a consistent way um, that that I think works best. Now, having said that, obviously I try and be on the same page with, with their father as well and, you know, we obviously have the same sorts of rules and boundaries in place. Um, but, you know, in the moment it's nice to not have another adult that's going to conflict to what I'm saying or doing in that heated moment or that situation that I'm in with my kids. And I yeah. I kind of like being in control in that way. It's like, <laughs> no, I, you know, I'm calling the shots here. Um, and kids aren't stupid. They will play you. They will yeah. know. Oh, yeah. they, yeah. they yeah. absolutely will. They'll, they'll try it on, um, you know, and even between our two households, you know, simple things like how many hours they're allowed to be on their iPads for or what the rules are around that, you know, and um, their dad and I have made it very clear. It's like, no, no, daddy and I might not be in the same house, but we're on the same page. So don't try and push either of us over the edge on that. Um, But, yeah, I think for me one of the major benefits to single parenting that I love is 
I don't have to clean up any other adults' mess. I'm already cleaning up two little children, and even then I'm trying to train them to clean up their own stuff. I don't want to have to clean up after another adult, you know. I, I, that's like was a huge, yeah. a huge issue for me when I was living with him. I, I just, yeah, if I clean my room, it's still clean at the end of the day and I like that. So I kind of like, I like the living alone aspect of it. It's actually one of the totally. big pluses of single parenting. It's like if I clean mm-hmm. my kitchen and I come back in 12 hours, it's still clean, you know, so <laughs> I like that. And we, well, it is. Like you're in like control. Yeah. Zero. <laughs> As an aunt, have you found like disciplining your relationship with your sisters? How did that really work for you? Uh, I always, I'm not your mommy, but your mommy says, goes, you know, might not yeah. be the decision I would make, but it's your mother's decision and she made it. So I have to follow her rules. A little shade, a little shade there. I, Look, yeah, no, I, I didn't really. <laughs> no, my I didn't mother parents this. differently to me now. Like when we were kids, like, you know, she wasn't, she was fairly strict, but now as a grandmother, she's yeah. not. And so my daughter can do whatever she wants. She can eat whatever she wants. She can well, get away with everything. That's different. It is, but I like, you know, she spends a lot of time with grandma. And so I do notice sometimes then there'll be some behave things and, and, or expectations that I'm just not going to meet, but my daughter's already, she's, she knows how to play us. She can roll us like dice. Like she knows, <laughs> she knows what she can do with grandma. And she knows not to try it with me anymore. Like she'll just, you know, I think that's, I, milk? Ah. <laughs> no. that's, I think hard when you, like my mother was very opposite me. So when our one teenage foster daughter had a baby, um, you know, I try to get her on all natural things. Like, okay, yep, you could breastfeed. That doesn't work out. You could do formula, but it comes time to food. We're not going to do crap filler rice cereal. We'll do like whole foods. We'll make the baby's food. We're not going to introduce sugar. Trying to put her on the right path. And my mother's like, why can't the baby eat rice cereal? The baby needs rice cereal. So she's like sneaking all this shit. By. I mean, it was a constant. Is your mom like, like a really angry Italian lady? Yes, she's not. This is why we don't speak. You know what I mean? My aunt called me on Mother's Day and she was like, Did you call your mother? I'm like, Yeah, I sent a brochure for coffins. You know, like, I'm just no. Like, I just, I can't. But this is part of the reason why I Okay, chose so that's to walk an example away. of a failed parent child relationship. <laughs> Listen, when you're coming and contradicting everything I'm trying to do, your grandma, you don't live here. You don't have to deal with this. So when the foster daughter was older, she, she went on the system. She would constantly, like, move back in. And finally, it's like, nah, we're not doing this. You're not going to back in disrupting my kid's life. We're not, you know, you, you need like, go live with Joyce. Didn't she go live with my mother? It lasted a month, and my mother was tearing her hair out. I'm like, oh, you thought it was so easy, huh, Joyce? <laughs> Go, I'll fucking punish them now. (laughs) That's a challenge. You know, I was the foster grandfather at 20 something. Well, and look, let's all like another positive of, of being a parent, though. I think nothing more joyful in life, though, right, than really loving somebody and giving them all of your heart. And I think that 
love that you have with your child is very unconditional. Um, and it's something that you won't ever get anywhere else. Like it's a, it's a very unique relationship. Uh, and it's something that I think is very precious and I'm glad that I've got it. I don't know if you need to be a parent just to have that, like foster yeah, kids, no, or like, absolutely and not. nieces it's like, and nephews. Like I always yeah, had yeah. that bond and was very close with them. You know, I think mm-hmm. I didn't. I and don't. It's sort of funny. I think. I think like life sort of there's connections that people have on on, on a soul level that like what's the word. Um, supersedes is that a word i don't know yeah I'm making shit up it's a word. Uh, <laughs> um, let's see you how know, you use it and i'll tell you if you're right <laughs> like you know the day my my brother my oldest brother like met my daughter they've been like this since then like mm-hmm. forever like they just whatever it is about their they, they just have a connection um he's the only one who can get her to eat meat so mm-hmm. he's he's got powers um and you know i think that's just throughout life like you know i have very i was always very close to my grandmother um even right up until she died she did tell me i was her favorite sorry everyone else (laughs) (laughs) Um, but you know you just have these connections with different people that i i don't think there's anything there's no um logic there or reasoning just you know, you just, your souls are somehow connected. I just believe that. That's my belief. I don't know how you guys feel. I absolutely believe that's true. Yeah. There are people you connect with on a much deeper level. I think one of the joys though, you know, of children, again, as we spoke about, we broaden their, whether your children are biological, fostered nieces, nephews or otherwise, I think one of the most joyful things about having children in my house is that it it helps me activate my inner child. You know, if I didn't have kids, I would never give myself permission to just sit and build Lego or to yeah. sit and do bad art or to make cupcakes on a Saturday afternoon and cover them with too much candy, you know, just silly things. Or like the other um, night, my kids were teaching me this ridiculous sea shanty and I I cannot remember laughing that hard all year, probably for the last five years. And they kept, and every time I would get the words wrong, they would like bop me with this foam ball in my eyeballs. And it was just, it was so silly and so ridiculous. But such a unique thing that, you know, even with my funniest friends, it would just, it supersedes, to use your word, any yeah. of that. And I think the, the lightness. The real word. Yeah, the, the lightness of being that, that children have where they're so in the moment and they're so unafraid to just be silly and to have things not have to make sense and not be serious. And I, I think that's one of the most joyful things about being a parent or having children in your life, regardless of who they belong to or where they're from is that they remind us to play and to oh, yeah. not be so heavy Hair and not always be <laughs> thinking about bills or thinking about politics or thinking about the weather or thinking about whatever else to just go, you know, let's just play ball for five minutes because the sun is out and the wind is blowing and, you know, it's a, let's blow bubbles, you know, let's just be light in how we're, mm-hmm. you know, living our lives. I think that's one of the most delightful things for me about kids. Yeah. yeah, no, it, it it certainly does. You can have, 
you can be a kid again yourself, right? Yeah. With that. yeah, yeah. You can you can play and do I all those things. Love using them as an excuse to watch like a kids movie. Or, you know, like, I'm like, oh, the kids really like it. Meanwhile, I'm like, Wreck It Ralph is awesome. You know, like, well, look, I let my, I let I my daughter watch movies I liked as a kid. So she's watching I Shrunk the Kids and she loves that. Her favorite scenes, um, when Bill's mopping the floor, funnily, like, nothing to do with being shrunk. Um, but she loves Gremlins. But when I watch Gremlins with her, we watch Gremlins 1 2. I'm like, holy crap, like, this movie's pretty scary. Like, it's full on. <laughs> like, you know, people are dying here, man. And, like, I thought this would be fun as a kid. Now I'm watching it as a parent, like, through it. But she thinks it's great. And she's got a little gizmo doll. And she thinks he's the best thing ever. But I was sort of watching it with her. Uh, should we, like, stop this here? And I was like, eh. Well, I think that's an interesting part of parenting, right? Like the way we were brought up with the things that people knew versus today. Like I look at, like you, Luke, one of my favorite movies as a kid. I was in Catholic school, first grade. I tried to bring in the movie Mannequin for Friday movie day. Because <laughs> back then, every Friday, we did a movie in the afternoon. We didn't school. And I tried to bring in Mannequin. She was like, I don't know. You know, and I, I remember watching Dallas and Dynasty with my mother. Lethal Weapon was the favorite of my. You know, and now I'm like, I, I was like, oh, maybe. And I'm like watching it, like, oh my god, like, what? And who want to wear watch? that final cat suit that Michelle Pfeiffer was sewn into? <laughs> in Batman Returns, like, come on. I don't know. Like we were big we bust my cousin at a video store, so I think probably. For me, anyways, I got that it was movies and acting, and you know, I loved everything about it. Uh, when I was, oh, plus Jim would always bring in the props. Yeah. He had all the props yes, in the yes. store. Yes, and then we'd get the screener copies, you know. Yeah, and we would like my grandfather would bring over his Beta VCR and let us borrow it. So when I was in preschool, that's what I wanted for Christmas that year was a VCR. My mother's like, "You're the only kid I know that, you know, you you had to have your movies." Because it was just so fun to get lost in that Disney princess syndrome. The man's going to come and save you. Yeah, uh, we talked about that. Yeah, you know, and I, probably where all my problems started. <laughs> you got kissed without consent. Cinderella was my first VHS. <laughs> Who knew and the you're mother a was stepmother? <laughs> That's terrible. Well, guys, I've enjoyed our little chat today. I think it's I been too. a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. You know, we've just gas bagged uh, about life. And um, <laughs> it's nice just to catch up with everyone and just do these chilled out little talks and, and not have that pressure of being live as well. I love that. I can cut out when I make a fool of myself. <laughs> Well, you'll be uh, you'll be playing 
you know, side note, I'm back in the studio um, tomorrow recording a song. Belinda and I are trying to get vocals down on a song together. Um, oh. So, yes, yes. So we'll see what That's happens. very but, cool. Anyway, she's I mean, already we'll late. Steve, Steve, get you up straight away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'll be like, what? Um, what did she say? With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.